Hello everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill, and welcome to Plain Market Talk, where I will provide a straightforward interpretation and analysis of current market news based on my background as a retired Wall Street stockbroker with almost 50 years of experience. And I will also provide business lessons to help you become much more successful with your personal finance, trading, and investments. So let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bell. Welcome to Plain Market Talk. Today is Friday, September 22nd, 2023. Okay, it's 1235 in the afternoon Eastern Time. Uh, markets are up slightly, but down for the week. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a second. Uh, also today, we're going to talk about the expanding uh, auto strike, as well as what's going on with the strikes in the entertainment industry. Uh, we're seeing an increase in people not being able to pay on credit cards, so we'll talk about that. And also today, I'm going to finish off, at least for now, coverage of cryptocurrencies. Um, it's specifically today talking about how to invest in cryptocurrencies. And then on the next session, I'm going to begin a coverage of mutual funds and investing strategies that everybody can do, starting with small amounts of money. Okay, as far as the markets, though, we've got the Dow Jones Industrial Average of 0.15%. S&P 500 up 0.47%, NASDAQ Composite up 0.83%. But the markets are down for the week. Uh, if the markets hold where they are, the Dow Jones Industrial Average will finish the week down 1.5%, S&P 500 down 2.7%, NASDAQ Composite down 2.2%. Markets got several things it's concerned about. One is a pending government shutdown. The government's spending year, fiscal year, uh, ends on Saturday of next week, Saturday evening, September 30th. And if Congress does not come up with a spending plan for the new year, the government will at least partially shut down. So the market is concerned about that. Now, one thing, sometimes you hear the term fiscal policy as well as monetary policy. Uh, what the difference is, fiscal policy is the spending practices of the government. Monetary policy are the actions of the Federal Reserve to influence the economy. Anyway, that is a concern of the market. Uh, number two, uh, this week, uh, a couple of the presidents of the various Federal Reserve regional banks, they stated that interest rates, uh, they may keep interest rates uh, at the level that it is at, at least uh, for now. It may even increase interest rates by the end of the year. So the market section did not like that. The key is with the Fed, they're, they're still trying to bring inflation down. They've done a pretty good job so far. They've brought inflation down from an annualized rate of 9.5%, down to around 3.25%, uh, but they want to get it down to 2%. So the market did not like that news. Uh, the market also you know, has concerns about the ongoing strikes in the auto industry as well as the entertainment industry. So we'll talk about that here in just a second. But also, a report came out that we're seeing a decline. Uh, I'm seeing an increase. Sorry, uh, in, in just the percentage of credit card debt that is not being paid back. Now, this is actually unusual. The numbers are hitting the highest level since the financial crises of 2007, 2008, 2009. Because what's happened? The economy is actually in pretty good shape, and yet we're seeing an increase in um, credit card um, people not being able to pay on credit cards and. Uh, I'll talk about why I, th I think that might be in just a second. But yeah, the number is now up to 3.63%. 
That is up 1.5% from the low, which I think was a little more than a year ago. What that means is that for every uh, dollar somebody puts on a credit card, 3.63% is not being paid back. Now, so why would that be happening in a relatively strong economy? I think it has to do with the easy uh, credit that was available during the COVID shutdown as well as afterwards. What happened during the COVID shutdown and for a year or so after, after the shutdown, the Federal Reserve was pumping $750 billion a month into the economy, uh, trying to keep the economy going, called quantitative easing. So banks had a lot of money and the banks were lending it back out by, uh, through credit cards and fairly easy credit. Uh, and, and I think what's happening now, people may be, they may have overextended themselves there and people are not able to pay. That can happen when you extend you know, easy credit. Um, and it's always, a, it's always a balance for financial institutions. Uh, financial institutions actually try to set a target, a bad debt target. Uh, for a lot of them, it's, it's around 25 to 3%. They understand about 25 to 3% of what they extend out on credit won't be paid back. Uh, the key there is that if, if it goes too low, uh, bad debt levels go too low, then the banks, financial institutions feel, well, maybe we're being too tight on credit. If it goes too high, we're being too loose on credit. But yeah, you got to be careful of being too loose on credit. Um, there was a case uh, many, many years ago, a retailer called WT Grant. They were a nationwide retailer, and they were one of the first to actually use your credit cards, store credit cards. Well, believe it or not, you could get a, the credit cards were issued by store, not by company. So somebody could conceivably go to five different WT Grant stores and get five different credit cards. And their credit was very easy. Uh, the old joke was if you just fog a mirror when you breathed into it, WT Grant gave you a credit card. And it worked for them in the late 60s, early 70s. Their sales were going way up. And then the financial crises hit of 1974. People couldn't pay, and then the company, for you know, it was bankrupt. So anyway, got to be careful there. But anyway, that's a little bit negative news with the market also. Okay, over in the auto worker strike, um, United Auto Workers is now targeting 38 more factories uh, that make the spare parts, specifically at Ford and, excuse me, at General Motors and Stellantis, but not Ford. Uh, Stellantis, as I mentioned on the last session, is a combination of Chrysler, Fiat, and Peugeot. Uh, the reason they're not going after Ford is they're saying that Ford is serious about coming to an agreement with the United Auto Workers. So there's real progress there. So the strike against Ford may end relatively soon. And as mentioned on the last session, General Motors has been making a lot of progress too. Stellantis, though, has 18 facilities in the United States. They want to close. They have overcapacity. So uh, the auto workers unions obviously not going to be thrilled with that. So the strike against Stellantis may go on for a while. But yeah, the auto union workers, they, the auto union, they need to be careful about targeting you know, these factories with the parts. And I'm sure it's something they've considered. It's one thing for a consumer to not be able to get a new car, have to delay on that purchase for a few weeks, a few months, um, you know, you know uh, because they're just not available. But you start getting where people cannot get their vehicles fixed because um, the spare parts are not available, that, that could backfire against a union. I'm sure it's something they've considered, but we got that news. Uh, over in the entertainment world, we've got the uh, writers on strike as well as the actors. I use actors for male and female. 
the, it looks like um, the big, big uh, players there in the entertainment industry are looking to settle with the writers fairly quickly. And I mentioned that a while back, that they'd probably settle with the writers first, actors second. Uh, but yeah, what we've had happen over the last three days, the CEOs, we're talking you know, the top people now at Disney, Netflix, Warner Discovery and NBC Universal have been meeting directly with the representatives from the writers' union to try to get this strike resolved. And the talk is that they're they're getting closer to an agreement. So we may see the writers come back first. Um, what would that mean? Well, the, the the evening talk shows would come back pretty much immediately. Problem though that these you know late night talk shows are going to have though is they they usually like to bring actors on to promote their latest TV shows movies and they're not going to be able to have them on if they're still on strike so they're going to have to fill airtime uh, they could perhaps bring on more musical acts or whatever but uh, so it looks like the writers may come back fairly soon and then the actors uh, we'll have to see what happens with that that it may still go on for a while but. It's starting to hurt these entertainment companies, though. Their stocks are going down. They're saving on costs since they're not doing a lot of production. But, you know, there's obviously they're not releasing as much product either. And um, it's going to start affecting uh, in, in the months ahead, especially when new movies aren't coming out and, not new, and no new shows on streaming services. So we'll see. Uh, We'll see what's going on there. But it looks like the writers may come back first, and then we'll have the actors come back after that. So we got that news also. Okay, so investing in a cryptocurrency. It's actually not difficult. Uh, there's over 30,000 cryptocurrencies. I'll use Bitcoin as an example. Bitcoin is about $26,650 a unit right now. So do you have to invest that, that amount of money? No, you, you can you can buy partial units of cryptocurrency since they're digital. Uh, so it's pre pretty easy. Uh, it's actually easy to invest in them. Uh, all, all you have to do is uh, you could use whatever, you know, Google, whatever search engine you'd like to use. Say you want to invest in Bitcoin. How do I invest in Bitcoin? Just put that in. It comes right up. But I'll give you specifics. Uh, first of all, some brokerage firms allow you to do this. Uh, I know Fidelity allows you to invest in cryptocurrencies, uh, and, and as well as Robinhood. Uh, I, I think Robinhood lets you do it for as little as a dollar, so I'm not sure what Fidelity's minimums are, but they're not very high, so it's actually not difficult to do. You could do it through a brokerage firm. Uh, what you'd want to check with the brokerage firms, what kind of fees or commissions or transaction fees do they have, but you, that's one way to do it. Uh, another way is you could um, open an account at what's called a um, cryptocurrency exchange, uh, kind of like stock markets. Uh, uh, think of it like for cryptocurrencies. Uh, well, anyway, the two best known are probably Coinbase or Binance, B-I-N-A-N-C-E. So you could look into Coinbase or Binance. Uh, there's a few other big ones, Kraken, K-R-A-K-E-N, Gemini. There's Bitfinex, I think that's how you say it. It's B-I-T-F-I-N-E-X, but that, that's another way to do it. But it's really not difficult to invest in cryptocurrencies. Now, here's what you got to be careful with cryptocurrencies, though. They're volatile. You know, it's not unusual for them to be up 3 4% in a day, sometimes 8 or 10%. So investing in a cryptocurrency, you know, you don't want to take your rent money and then because you got a hot tip that you're going to be able to double at the end of the month and then find out you just lost 40% of your rent money, can't pay your rent. So 
it, it should be money. I don't want to go so far as to say it's money you you should be you can afford to lose. That that that's more pure speculation, like investing in an expiring options contract uh, at the end of the week, where you you think you're going to double your money or lose it all because uh, you got somewhat of a hot tip. It's not it's not quite like that. So, but it's probably not. It's money that you basically just think about it. You know, if you invest in a cryptocurrency. And then suddenly find out it's it's down a third w- within a month. Could you afford that kind of loss? Uh, you know, and if you can, okay, that that's money you could conceivably um, use. Obviously, you don't want to lose a third, but it wouldn't devastate you. All right. So a couple of things on on this. Um, when I worked for the New York Stock Exchange, a basic rule we always had was never take big losses. That was our number one rule. Now, we primarily used option contracts to protect ourselves. I've talked about that on previous sessions. But another rule we used to have um, that I personally was using is um, if, it, if a stock that I bought went down 20% from the purchase price or 25% from a new high, I sold it and moved on. Now, you could use your own percentages, but here's how this works. And it could work for cryptocurrencies also. Um, let's say I, I bought a stock that was $100 a share. If it went down 20% from the purchase price, that'd be down to $80. I just sold it and moved on to make the money back somewhere else. I didn't ride it all the way down. I remember seeing stocks over the years went from $100 a share to like a dollar. Yeah, you ride that all the way down. How are you going to make that back? Just uh, basically... Uh, you know, take a 20% loss and move on to something else. And that could work with a cryptocurrency too, you know, take a certain loss if you have to, get out of it and move on to either another cryptocurrency or some other investment, make it back. Um, but 20% from the purchase price, 25% from a new high. So what does that mean? So let's say the stock's at $100 a share. If it went down 20% to the purchase price, $80, I sold it and moved on. But what if it then? What if it didn't go down? It went up to two hundred dollars a share. Well, I'm not going to ride it down all the way back to eighty before I sell it. So I'm twenty five percent from the new high. So in this case, if it went down twenty five percent, which would be uh, lose a quarter of its value, uh, went down to one hundred and fifty dollars. Then I sold it and moved on. So whichever of those occurred first, twenty percent from the new high. Uh, to um, 25%, uh, 20% from the purchase price, sorry, 25% from the new high. So again, you can use your own percentages. Uh, another thing uh, we used to always remember, don't get emotionally attached to your investment. So that's an easy thing that happens to people sometimes. Same thing with a cryptocurrency. You know what? Just look at it as a financial asset. Um, you know, don't ride it all the way down. Uh, basically get out. Now, Another thing that you could also do is if you got a certain amount of money you want to put in a cryptocurrency, you don't have to throw it in all at once. Uh, you could put part of your money in, and then that cryptocurrency is going to do one of basically three things uh, after you invest in. It's going to stay where it is. It's going to go down. It's going to go up. If it starts going down, maybe put half your money into it to start out. If it starts going down, you could buy more at the lower price, you know, piecemeal buy into it. If it starts going up on a sustained basis, well, then you could start adding money because now it's on a roll, but at least you got some of your money in at the lower price. So that, that's something else you could consider doing. Another strategy, 
let's say you put some money in a cryptocurrency and it doubles. We should say it doubles. Uh, pull out your initial investment and just ride your profits after that. See, that's another thing you could do. Um, also, the same thing on the sell side. You don't have to sell it all if you don't want to. If it starts going down, sell part of it and get, you know, and then uh, pull some of your money back out and then reevaluate it. So th those are basic strategies. You know, they apply to investments too. Although uh, the strategies you're going to be talking about in the next few sessions are going to be more long-term strategies involving mutual funds, um, and general investing, retirement planning, and so forth. So, but we'll talk about that on the upcoming sessions. But again, get Bill Thompson, T-Bill. Hope everyone's doing well, and I will talk to you again soon. Take care. See ya.